Chapter Twelve of Inventions of the Great War by Alexander Russell Bond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: Submarines. It was an American invention that dragged America into the war, an American invention in the hands of barbarians and put to unspeakably barbarous use after seeing how the huns used the submarine we are not so sure that we can take much pride in its invention but if any blame attaches to us for developing the submarine we made amends by the ways in which we fought the german u-boat and put an end to german frightfulness on the sea of course the credit for germany's defeat is not for a moment claimed by americans alone but it must be admitted that we played an important part in overcoming the menace of the u-boat there is no question that the submarine was an american invention to be sure we can look into ancient books and find suggestions for navigating under the surface of the sea but the first man who did actually build a successful submarine was david bushnell back in the revolutionary war after him came robert fulton who carried the invention farther he built and operated a submarine for the french government and in more recent years the submarine became a practical vessel of war in the hands of john p holland and simon lake both americans however we are not interested just now in the history of the submarine but rather in the development of this craft during the recent war with great britain as an enemy germany knew that she was hopelessly outclassed on the sea but while britannia ruled the waves she did not rule the depths of the sea and so germany decided to claim this realm for her own little attention did she pay to surface vessels except in the dogger bank engagement and the battle of jutland the german first-class vessels did not venture out upon the open sea and even the lighter craft merely made occasional raids under cover of fog or darkness only to cut and run as soon as the british vessels appeared the submarine boat or unterseeboot as the germans called it was virtually the only boat that dared go out into the high seas consequently the germans specialized upon that type of craft and under their close attention it grew into a highly perfected war vessel but the germans were not the only ones to develop the submarine as we shall see construction of the u-boats when the great war broke out the german u-boat was a comparatively small craft less than a hundred and fifty feet long with its main hull only twelve feet in diameter it could make a speed of twelve knots on the surface and only nine when submerged but as the war progressed it grew larger and larger until it attained a length of over three hundred feet and its speed was increased to twelve knots when submerged and eighteen knots on the surface it is not always safe to judge a thing by its name to do so is apt to lead to sad mistakes one would naturally suppose from its name that a submarine is a boat that lives under water like a fish but it is not a fish it is an air-breathing animal that prefers to stay on the surface only occasionally diving under to hide from danger or to steal upon its prey during the war the german u-boats did not average three hours per day under the surface because they were intended to run on the surface they had to be built in the form of a surface vessel so as to throw off the waves and keep from rolling and pitching too much in a seaway 
but they also had to be built to withstand the crushing weight of deep water and as a cylinder is much stronger than a structure of ordinary boat shape the main hull was made circular in section and of heavy plating strongly framed while around this was an outer hull of boat shape as shown in figure eighteen putting holes in a tank to keep it full the space between the inner and outer hulls was used for water ballast and for reservoirs of oil to drive the engines and strange as it may seem the oil tanks were always kept full by means of holes in the bottom of them as the oil was consumed by the engines water would flow into the reservoir to take its place and the oil being lighter than water would float on top the false hull was of light metal because as it was open to the sea the pressure on the inside was always the same as that on the outside the reservoirs of oil and the water ballast tanks protected the inner hull of the vessel from accidental damage and from hostile shell and bombs there were water ballast tanks inside the inner hull as well as shown in the cross-section view of figure eighteen the water in the ballast tanks was blown out by compressed air to lighten the u-boat and the boat was kept on an even keel by the blowing out or the letting in of water in the forward and after tanks a heavy lead keel was attached to the bottom of the boat to keep it from rolling too much in case of accident if there were no other way of bringing the boat to the surface this keel could be cast loose at the forward end where the torpedo tubes were located there was a torpedo trimming tank torpedoes are heavy missiles and every time one was discharged the boat was lightened and the balance of the submarine was upset to make up for the loss of weight water had to be let into the torpedo trimming tank a submarine cannot float under water without swimming in other words it must keep its propellers going to avoid either sinking to the bottom of the sea or bobbing up to the surface to be sure it can make itself heavier or lighter by letting water into or blowing water out of its ballast tanks but it is impossible to regulate the water ballast so delicately that the submarine will float submerged and should the boat sink to a depth of two hundred feet or so the weight of water above it would be sufficient to crush the hull so it is a case of sink or swim usually enough ballast is taken on to make the submarine only a little lighter than the water it displaces and then to remain under the vessel must keep moving with its horizontal rudders tilted to hold it down the horizontal rudders or hydroplanes of the u-boat are shown in figure seventeen both at the bow and at the stern the main hull of the vessel was literally filled with machinery in the after part of the boat were the diesel oil engines with which the u-boat was propelled when on the surface there were two engines each driving a propeller shaft it was impossible to use the engines when the vessel was submerged not because of the gases they produced these could easily have been carried out of the boat but because every internal combustion engine consumes enormous quantities of air in a few minutes the engines would devour all the air in the hull of the submarine and would then die of suffocation and so the engines were used only when the submarine was running awash or on the surface and then the air consumed by them would rush down the hatchways like a hurricane to supply their mighty lungs engines that burn heavy oil 
the oil engines were strictly a german invention in the early days of the submarine gasoline engines were used but despite every precaution gasoline vapors occasionally would leak out of the reservoirs and accumulate in pockets or along the floors of the hull and it needed but a spark to produce an explosion that would blow up the submarine but rudolf diesel a german invented an engine that would burn heavy oils in the diesel engine there are no spark plugs and no magneto the engine fires itself without electrical help air is let into the cylinder at ordinary atmospheric pressure or fifteen pounds per square inch but it is compressed by the upward stroke of the piston to about five hundred pounds per square inch when air is compressed it develops heat and the sudden high compression to over thirty times its normal pressure raises the temperature to something like a thousand degrees fahrenheit just as this temperature is reached a jet of oil is blown into the cylinder by air under still higher pressure immediately the spray of oil bursts into flame and the hot gases of combustion drive the piston down because of the intense heat almost any oil from light gasoline to heavy almost tar-like oils can be used as heavy oils do not throw off any explosive vapors unless they are heated they make a very safe fuel for submarines to drive the u-boat when no air was to be had for the engines electric motors were used there was one on each propeller shaft and the shafts could be disconnected from the oil engines when the motors were driving the motors got their power from storage batteries in the stern of the submarine and under the floor forward the motors when coupled to and driven by the engines generated current which was stored in the storage batteries the submarine could not run on indefinitely under water when its batteries were exhausted it would have to come to the surface and run its engines to store up a fresh charge of electricity the electric motors gave the boat a speed of about nine knots in addition to the main engines and motors there was a mass of auxiliary machinery there were pumps for compressing air to blow the ballast tanks and to discharge the torpedoes there was a special mechanism for operating the rudder and hydroplanes and all sorts of valves indicators speaking tubes signal lines etc the tiny hull was simply crammed with mechanism of all kinds and particularly in the early boats there was little room for the accommodation of the officers and crew the officers quarters were located amidships and forward there were the folding berths of the crews in the later boats more space was given the men the large u-boats carried a crew of forty and as the hazards of submarine warfare increased more attention had to be paid to the men fat men not wanted oddly enough small slender men were preferred for submarine duty not because of lack of space but because it was apt to be very cold in a submarine particularly in the winter time the water cooled off the boat when the submarine was travelling submerged and the motors gave off little heat while when the vessel was running on the surface the rush of wind to supply the engines kept the thermometer low this meant that the men had to pile on much clothing to keep warm which made them very bulky the hatchway was none too large and a fat man were he bundled up with enough clothing to keep him warm would have a hard time squeezing through 
in the centre of the vessel was the main hatchway leading up to the conning tower which was large enough to hold from three to five men this was the navigating room when the vessel was running submerged and above it was the navigating bridge used when the submarine was on the surface in the conning tower there was a gyroscopic compass a magnetic compass would not work at all inside the steel hull of the u-boat and here were the periscopes or eyes of the submarine rising from fifteen to twenty feet above the roof of the conning tower there were usually two periscopes they could be turned around to give the man at the wheel a view in any direction and they were used sometimes even when the vessel was running on the surface to give a longer range of vision the blindness of the submarine now a submarine cannot see anything under water the commander cannot even see the bow of his boat from the conning tower and until he gets near enough to the surface to poke his periscope out of the water he is absolutely blind and must feel his way about with compass and depth gauge it was always an anxious moment for the u-boat commander when he was coming up until his periscope broke out of the water and he could get his bearings and even that was attended with danger for his periscope might be seen of course a periscope is a very insignificant object on the broad sea but when a submarine is moving its periscope is followed by a wake which is very conspicuous and so the u-boat ran a chance of being discovered and destroyed before it could dive again to a safe depth later telescoping periscopes were used which could be raised by means of a hand lever the submarine would run along just under the surface and every now and then it would suddenly raise its periscope for an observation and drop it down again under cover if there was danger nigh this was much simpler and quicker than having a six or eight hundred ton boat come up to the surface and dive to safety he might even collide with a vessel floating on the surface but to lessen this danger submarines were furnished with ears or big microphone diaphragms at each side of the hull by which a ship could be located by the noise of its propellers in the bow were the torpedo tubes and the magazine of torpedoes at first there were only two torpedo tubes but later the number was increased to four these were kept constantly loaded so that the projectiles could be launched in rapid succession if necessary without a pause for the insertion of a fresh torpedo in some submarines tubes were provided in the stern also so that the boat could discharge a torpedo at its enemy while running away from him each tube was closed at the outer end by a cap and at the inside end by a breech block the tube was blown clear of water by means of compressed air and of course the outer cap was closed when the breech was open to let in a torpedo then the breech was closed the cap opened and the torpedo was discharged from the tube by a blast of air the torpedo a torpedo is really a motor-boat a wonderfully constructed boat fitted with an engine of its own that is driven by compressed air and which drives the torpedo through the water at about forty miles per hour the motor-boat is shaped like a cigar and that used by the germans was about fifteen feet long and fourteen inches in diameter we used much larger torpedoes some of them being twenty-two feet long ours have a large compressed air reservoir and will travel for miles 
but the germans used their torpedoes at short ranges of a thousand yards and under cutting down the air reservoir as much as possible and loading the torpedo with an extra large explosive charge we found in the diesel engine that when air is highly compressed it becomes very hot when compressed air is expanded the reverse takes place the air becomes very cold the air that drives the motor of the torpedo grows so cold that were no precautions taken it would freeze any moisture that might be present and would choke off the engine with the frost and so an alcohol flame is used to heat the air the air motor is started automatically by release of a trigger as the torpedo is blown out of the torpedo tube by means of gearing the motor drives two propellers these run in opposite directions so as to balance each other and prevent any tendency for the torpedo to swerve from its course the torpedo is steered by a rudder which is controlled by a gyroscope and it is kept at the proper depth under water by diving rudders which are controlled by a very sensitive valve worked by the weight of the water above it the deeper the water the greater the weight or pressure and the valve is so arranged that should the torpedo run too far under the pressure will cause the diving rudders to tilt and the torpedo comes up again then if the torpedo rises too high the valve will feel the reduction of pressure and turn the rudders in the other direction the business end of a torpedo is a warhead packed with about four hundred pounds of tnt at the nose of the torpedo is a firing pin with which the warhead is exploded ordinarily the firing pin does not project from the torpedo but there is a little propeller at the forward end which is turned by the rush of water as the torpedo is driven on its course this draws out the firing pin and gets everything ready for the tnt to explode as soon as the firing pin is struck but the firing pin is not the only means of exploding the torpedo inside there is a very delicate mechanism that will set off the charge at the least provocation in one type of torpedo a steel ball is provided which rests on a shallow depression and the slightest shock the sudden stopping or even a sudden swerve of the torpedo would dislodge the ball and set off the charge hence various schemes proposed by inventors for deflecting a torpedo without touching the firing pin would have been of no value at all guns on submarines as torpedoes are expensive things the u-boats were supplied with other means of destroying their victims the germans sprang a surprise by mounting guns on the decks of their submarines at first these were arranged to be lowered into a hatch when the boat was running submerged but later they were permanently mounted on the decks so they would be ready for instant use they were heavily coated with grease and the bore was swabbed out immediately when the boat came to the surface so that there was no danger of serious rust and corrosion the three-inch gun of the early months of the war soon gave way to heavier pieces and the latest u-boats were supplied with guns of almost six-inch caliber and there was a gun on the after-deck as well as forward the u-boats depended upon radiotelegraphy to get their orders and although they did not have a very wide sending range they could receive messages from the powerful german station near berlin the masts which carried the radio aerials could be folded down into pockets in the deck 
from stem to stern over the entire boat a cable was stretched which was intended to permit the u-boat to slide under nets protecting harbour entrances and in later boats there were keen-toothed knives at the bow which would cut through a steel net during the war german and austrian u-boats occupied so much attention that the public did not realize the part that the entente allies were playing under the sea america great britain france and italy made good use of submarines operating them against enemy vessels blockading enemy ports and actually fighting enemy submarines a steam-driven submarine the british in particular did splendid work with the submarine and developed boats that were superior to anything turned out by the germans for instance they developed a submarine which is virtually a submersible destroyer it is three hundred and forty feet long and it can make a speed of twenty-four knots on the surface the most remarkable part of this boat is that its engines are driven by steam its boilers are fired with oil fuel there are two smokestacks which fold down when it submerges of course when running under water the vessel is driven by electricity and it makes a speed of ten knots it carries three four-inch guns two forward and one aft and its displacement submerged is twenty seven hundred tons as against eight hundred tons for the largest german submarines a submarine that mounts a twelve-inch gun still more remarkable is the big super submarine designed by the british to bombard the forts of the dardanelles but unfortunately it was built too late to be used there the submarine carries a gun big enough for a battleship it is of twelve-inch caliber and it weighs fifty tons of course a big gun like that could not be fired athwart the submarine it might bowl the little vessel over even though it was a seventeen hundred ton submarine the gun is mounted to fire fore and aft with a deviation of only a few degrees to one side or the other so that the shock of the recoil is taken by the length instead of the beam of the submarine it fires a shell weighing six hundred and twenty pounds and a full charge is not used so that the extreme range is only about fifteen thousand yards this submarine monitor would have been a very difficult target for the turkish gunners to hit when the war came to an end and the german submarine surrendered to the entente allies at Arich, there was considerable public curiosity as to whether or not an examination of the u-boats would disclose any wonderful secrets but they contained nothing that the allies did not already know and one british officer stated that the plans of the german submarines had often fallen into their hands long before a u-boat of the same type was captured End of chapter 12